Welcome to Evolving Still, the podcast. My name is Ebony, and I'm the founder of Evolving Still, a lifestyle brand dedicated to changing the conversation around mental health and helping others become the best version of themselves. The purpose of this podcast is to prioritize mental health in our everyday conversations. In each episode, we seek to gain perspective, extend grace, and equip ourselves with the necessary tools for this journey. Essentially, our goal is to evolve still. Welcome back to the podcast. Today I have a very special guest and I want her to introduce herself. Hi, thank you so much for having me. My name is Sarah Fleming. I am a freelance photographer. I also have my nine to five on the side where I work in IT. Um, I'm born and raised in the city of Detroit. I have traveled with photography as well, and I'm super excited to talk with you on the podcast today. I'm super excited to have you. I have a question for you. Are you ready? Yes. What is the one thing that you've learned about yourself this past year that you feel will help you reach your next level in 2023? Oh, that is such a good question. Um, I've learned quite a few things over the last year. I think 2022 was a big year of growth and realization for me. Um, One of the biggest things that I learned that I needed to improve for myself is boundaries and also establishing consistency within my life. Mm. So honestly, I feel like those two things are going to balance out to make me 10,000% better by the end of 2023. Um, It's focusing on my boundaries, making sure work and play are getting the adequate time that I am to allocate towards those, but also having the boundary within myself to stay consistent with like my fitness goals and making sure that I'm prioritizing my self-care and I'm not doing too much within all of my spaces so I'm not spreading myself too thin. Yes, I love that. Um, Consistency is a very big thing uh, for me. I feel like um, you touched on it perfectly. Like when you are in so many different spaces, it's so easy to show up short in one area. Yes. Um, so setting up boundaries and inconsistency is like spot on. Are you ready to start the episode? I sure am. Okay. So I'm excited. I, um, you guys are going to learn a lot about Sarah and kind of how she is taking care of her mental health and having this kind of creative outlet and another stream of income, all sorts of things. So the first question is, how would you describe your relationship with your mental health? So I find myself to be someone who is extremely Mm self-aware. And with that means having an awareness of your mental health. Um, You know how they say like, bad bitches have bad days too. (laughs) Yes. I have had enough bad days where I realized that prioritizing my self-care has to be a priority for me. Um, So when it comes to things like mental health, like I have a therapist that I see on and off. Um, I make sure that I take time to just like journal or spend time doing things that don't produce income or they don't take too much away from me so I can center myself. And when I was talking about boundaries, also being able to establish a boundary where I could just take time to rest. Like I'm a busy body by nature. I like to have my hands in a lot of different things. So that means that sometimes I need to just take a moment and sit down and see what I want to watch on Netflix or spend time with my friends, something that's not so taxing where I can just completely unwind. Yes, I I love that. I feel like I call myself the self-care queen. Love that. Uh, <laughs> because my relationship with my mental health is very much like I'm I got to put me first. Like yes, I have to put me first. <laughs> you have to. I'm going to always find a way uh so therapy is something uh, something that I do as well. I journal. Uh I just kind of spend time with myself, right? Like taking care of my mental health and having a relationship with my mental health kind of shows up in different ways um as the seasons change right and so I find that I can actually prioritize my mental health in kind of um ways that I wouldn't expect naturally like if I'm not in therapy um you I would feel like oh I'm doing bad but then I will look at some of the other things that I'm doing things that I just want to do for me um and it kind of balances out yeah So um, you kind of answered the next question, Um, but are you someone who likes to journal? Do you like to read? what What are some other things that you do to take care of you? 
I love to journal. Okay. Um, that was probably my first outlet. Mm. Even when I was younger, journaling was my first way to express my emotions and kind of try to piece together what's going on in my brain and in my emotions and put it on paper so I could figure out what's going on for real. Yes. Um, in addition to that, I am just artistic by nature. Mm -hmm. So I am a huge DIYer and I like to pick up <laughs> random arts and crafts projects where I'll paint something or I'll write a poem mm -hmm. or I'll try to find some new creative way to express myself. So I sort of lean towards things like that. Mm -hmm. um, but in addition to that, I like to be outside too. So I go on nature walks. Um, I may go by the river and like just take a walk by the river rock, river walk. <laughs> um, but really anything that I can get outside, clear my mind, or if it's an outlet, I prefer something on the creative side. Yes, I love that. I am not an outdoors girl. You know, I don't <laughs> like easy. I don't like <laughs> but are out there. The bugs are out. Come on. And I hate bugs. I, I am like, do we have to go outside? <laughs> um, and I think a part of that is that my mom didn't allow us to go outside when we were young. She was a little um, paranoid. She had lots of anxiety. So she mm -hmm. felt like, you know, if I'm not outside, y'all can't be outside because I can't see you. And she didn't like outside. So, mm -hmm. therefore, by nature, whenever I'm outside... And also, I'm allergic to a lot of things, uh, believe it or not. Grass. Okay. Um. So, outside doesn't like me either. It, it works <laughs> out. <laughs> so, how did you uh, get interested in photography? Uh, so, photography was one of those things where I was on the outside looking in for so long. Mm. I had friends who were photographers. I had colleagues who would pick up the craft and then begin to excel in photography. And I would always see their photos and think, I can do that. But it wasn't until March of 2019 that I finally decided, you know what, I actually am going to try this and I am going to stick with it and see it through. Mm. Um, okay. So I'll share a little bit of my personal take on why I decided to become a photographer because I always talk about my backstory, but I never really share the why. And I don't know. This is a good conversation. I feel like I can be open. I love that. Um, but I, I lost my father back in 2013 in April. It was pretty much right before I graduated high school. Now, I mentioned before, I've always been somebody who likes to find a new outlet and express myself creatively. That means that I pick up a lot of hobbies and I drop them like yeah. that. Um, so it came to a point in 2019, I noticed every year around that time, like naturally I would be sad, I would be down, and I would feel like I need something to pick me back up again. Well, I decided that I would finally pick up a camera and that would be the one hobby that I never let go. Mm. And from that point, when I picked up my camera in 2019, I did kind of waver with it as a hobbyist early on, but once I finally got consistent with it near the end of 2020, it's really taken off from there. Yeah, I love that. I I, I actually did an episode on um, grief not too long ago. I think it was maybe like two episodes before this one. And we kind of talked about, you know, like how like how we manage and how are we dealing with it? Because it doesn't really get better. Yeah. Uh, so I love that you were able to you know, kind of pick up on your pattern and, and, and channel that energy somewhere else. And it's going to probably bless you and follow you your whole life. So that's so great. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Of course. Um, what was the process of, I guess, discovering like how much you enjoyed photography? Like, were you good at it as soon as you started? Or was it more so like, I'm really interested in this. I want to work to be good at it. So any photographer that you speak to, 90% of the time, they're going to say something about having an eye for mm -hmm. photography. Yes. Um, I think that's something that's very innate to anybody who picks up a camera. And you can teach it, but some people just have their own natural eye and perspective. And they're able to capture that. I believe that I've always had an eye for photography. I was not always <laughs> good at photography. Um, like when I said, when I picked it up in 2019, I had an eye for taking decent photos, but I had no knowledge of the technical side of photography. Mm -hmm. And it is a very, very technical craft and skill to develop. Now, you can take pictures and not know that side of it, but I'm a nerd. So... <laughs> I would say in the end of 2020, November of 2020, COVID year, um, that's when I started to learn more about photography and got more invested in the craft. And the more I learned, the more I decided to 
get more invested in that. And like I said, I'm a nerd. So the more I peeled back the layers of photography and found that there's so much that I can get into with it, mm -hmm. that kind of drew me into it even more. Like today, I still find new lighting setups that I can do, new equipment to invest in, and just furthering my um, understanding of photography and honestly, filmography, because I want to branch off into video as well. Mm -hmm. Just understanding that craft and that artistic um, expression as a whole. Yes, and I felt like the craft needs more people like you who aren't okay with like being good but like wanting to know more and wanting to learn more I always say that I'm I am like a forever learner mm -hmm. um a little bit about me I am pre-med so I am expected to go to school for a very long time I still have lots of schooling mm -hmm. to go to um and people always ask like you know aren't you so tired of school? Like you've been in school all your life. I couldn't go, I, you couldn't pay me to go back. And um, I always say like, you know, I, I'm going to learn for the rest of my life. Like that's just where I feel most comfortable about. Yeah. Um, and so I think that it's great that you kind of prioritize learning and it probably makes you more relatable to and, and makes your job flow better with your models or you know the people the subjects of your photography because you know what you're talking about <laughs> um so would you say that you are you considering i would say uh making a full-time career out of it like is that the end goal that is a very good question. It's a question that I still go back and forth with myself on. Mm -hmm. So I have been a full-time photographer before. In June of 2021, I left my nine to five and I decided to be a full-time freelance photographer. I traveled to Atlanta for a bit, met creatives, had some opportunities out there. Um, I excelled, I was able to pay my bills and still have fun money. And if you are a freelance creative, you know how hard that can be. But I can be a scatterbrain and my life can be very imbalanced very easily mm. and I need structure. I also had a lot of goals within 9 to 5 world that I didn't want to let go because I became a photographer and got really good really quickly at that. So in an effort to not limit myself and put myself in this box of photographer, which I don't think it's a box, but for me... I had other goals outside of that. Yeah. Um, I did decide to go back to my nine to five. And although it's more work, ironically enough, I feel like my life is a lot more balanced mm -hmm. in this way. However, there are a lot of different goals with photography that I want to reach as well, which I know I would have to leave my nine to five alone for that. So, for example, if I wanted to be a photographer on tour with a musician or a band, I can't have a nine to five and do that. <laughs> so just thinking through those things is something that I'm honestly still in the process of doing. I know that it's not currently in my three-year goal plan for my life, mm -hmm. but I don't know if that may ever change. And I'm honestly open to the opportunity. If it presents itself and it makes sense, I'd go for it. But as of right now, that's not a plan for my somewhat immediate future. Yeah, I, I think that um, we are similar in the way that I need structure. Like I need, if I'm not doing something or if I do not have it, one big thing to do um whether that's school or um for me it was studying for the MCAT like I need one big goal in order for everything else and it may seem chaotic because I'm always doing so much but I I it just helps me I think it kind of gives me a little bit of peace and it brings my um it makes me prioritize my mental health as well right because like you said you're um kind of focusing on some of your individual goals like being consistent in the gym and eating healthy and all of those things like I feel like having structure sometimes helps you with that right and yeah. i think that i think that this is true i haven't done the research but you hear people who say like you know students do better when they have a job right they they're able to focus they're they're more productive whatever so i don't know the research behind it but i definitely resonate with that it makes sense there's also one other thing i wanted to add with mm -hmm. this as well um one thing that i learned being a full-time freelance creative is that you don't want to one put yourself in a box whereas i just had this nine to five i'm free from that now i'm 
held captive by my full-time freelance life. So I had no work-life balance in that sense. But also it's a lot to put on yourself that I have to take photos and be good and take these gigs to make ends meet by the end of the month. Yes. That's a different type of pressure versus my nine to five covers that anything from photography is extra. So that also played a big role in my plan to go back to nine to five life. But Again, all things are manageable in a sense. So if the opportunity presented itself and it made sense for me, it's still something that I would go back to at a point. Yeah. And actually, that brings me to a point that was a little bit further on my list. But let's just jump right ahead. Um, Would you say that monetizing your hobby um, could take away from the enjoyment of photography for you? Like when you were in that space and you were doing it full time, did you ever kind of feel like, I'm not enjoy like I feel like I have to do this versus like I'm this is I'm doing this because I enjoy it yeah um at a point it definitely started to feel like work Mm -hmm. there are some gigs that I take now that still feel like work but again outside of just monetizing it making that your sole source of income Mm -hmm. makes it more of a job because it is a job and it is a business and not only are you a full-time freelance creative you are a full-time small business owner and any small business owner will tell you that it's not easy in any way (laughs) shape or form um so I will say it can take away the enjoyment of it but I think again when we talk about boundaries that comes up in that conversation as well because you have to look at yourself and think of what type of creative or business owner or whatever you want to label yourself as but what are you and what type of work do you want to do and you have to be able to comfortably say no to gigs that don't align with your values and your goals so that one your portfolio and what you do is more aligned with the type of gigs and the clients you want to work with um, but also you're not taking on more work that feels more like work yeah so ideally you should have a situation where your gigs or your clients are in line with your goals and values so it doesn't feel like work which it still can but at least in that sense it's more enjoyable yes I think I um I also agree I feel like I agree with everything you say um (laughs) but I also agree with that because I think like for me mental health and like just I again self-care queen here um evolving still really started with me um kind of just in college I was posting how I was tracking my mood and like all these little things that I would do for my mental health Mm -hmm. and people were just like dming me like oh teach like what did you do I want to know how to do this I want to do this Mm -hmm. um and it kind of became a thing right it became like um People would literally post at the end of the week their calendars. And and at this point, I'm like drawing on a sheet of paper, making my tracking my mood mm-hmm. um, solely for my personal enjoyment. And um, people began to do the same thing. They would ask me how to do it. I tell them they'll do the same thing and they'll tag me at the end of the month. Like this is what my month looked like. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of what started the whole idea. That's really cool. I know, right? <laughs> I, I was, love that. I, I kind of want to change my mood now, too. Yes, do it. <laughs> I will tell you how to do it. Don't worry. Um, but it was it it was just so genuine, I think, and it was natural. It flowed, mm-hmm. and then um, I got into kind of creating this brand and and trying to market it and all of the things that comes with again being a small business owner um and it I was good I was consistent for a while right and then I had a whole bunch of different outlets so like evolving still I publish books for people I publish books for myself um so I like create journals different journals um and I created the calendar of course um to sell and then I had like clothes that I was kind of like just merch that I was um selling and then I was also doing this podcast and then on top of that I do workshops and I do speaking engagement so I go and I'll speak to groups and like just kind of talk about how important it is to promote or and prioritize your mental health um specifically a lot of high schoolers or college students I've um been able to really connect with them and kind of tell them because especially for high school I feel like no one tells them how important it is to like prioritize your mental health they're worried about getting into college right um so it's been great right but again me being pulled in so many different directions I feel like 
I kind of experienced a little bit of that burnout, a little bit of like, oh, I have to do all of these things to keep my platform growing. And, and um, it just became a little stressful, I think. And so this yeah. thing that I love doing, I love talking about mental health with people. I love, you know, sharing these ideas and things that I did became work. Yeah. And that was not fun for me. <laughs> um, and I still, I, I, I'm trying to have my boundaries, but I'm still working through it. But I think what you said is perfect. Like you have to kind of know yourself and like be able to balance it. And sometimes it will still feel like work and that's life. Yeah. <laughs> So do you feel like you've ever experienced burnout where or like a season of just like, I don't really want to do this right now? Oh, absolutely. Um, so we live in Michigan. Yeah. And Michigan gets very, very, very cold in our winters. And I am not a winter girl. And I never want to leave the house. So it's not even that like, I don't want to create. I don't want to do anything. <laughs> I want to sleep in my bed, wake up, watch some Netflix and go back to sleep. So during those times, like just seasonally, I do feel like I'm less active and I'm less inclined to do work. But then when we talk about burnout specifically, I've had burnout during those periods as well because I'll be pushing through to continue to do the work when I'm already at a glass half full and I'm just trying to pour in all different areas because I feel like I'm supposed to. Yeah. Um, so I've had that outside of the winter, um, during the winter, just any time that I'm not making sure that I prioritize my mental health and my self-care along the way. Um, so I've honestly learned that when I've gotten to a point where I've taken too many gigs and I've worked too much in the past, say, month or so, I will book a month and just clear my calendar. Yeah. So then I'll only have my nine to five and then I'll use whatever other free time to rest and reset and tap back in with me to make sure that I'm okay mentally, spiritually, and physically. Yes. Um, so I've found that that minimizes burnout quite a bit for me. It'll still get to points where I can feel the burnout potentially creeping up. And again, then I'll start blocking off my calendar and giving myself self-care days just to make sure I don't get to that. Because burnout is rough. Yes. And it can take a long time to get out of that. Like, I think my longest burnout or creative block probably lasted about six months. Mm. So... It'd be hard, but you got to find a way to make that not happen. I have not had a, a burnout that lasts that long since then because I found that if you don't prioritize yourself, your body is going to shut down for you. Yes. So I learned that the quote unquote hard way, but it was a great lesson to learn because I haven't gotten to that point since. Yes. I, yeah, burnout, I have burnout in multiple <laughs> areas, right? Like school. Mm-hmm burnouts okay wait you you (laughs) were talking about the pandemic uh earlier and i was supposed to take my mcat originally um in april of 2020 Mm. and and if you recall um like march 13th maybe that was when it all went down yeah yeah so a couple weeks before (laughs) I was supposed to be done they said absolutely not and my like instructors like the people who were guiding me through this process was like don't stop studying because the world's gonna open up in two weeks and when it opens up you have to take that exam like you're gonna have to go so July it was July before I took this exam um talk about burnout when I was taking the exam I quite literally was just like staring at the questions like what are you what are we talking about? Like, I was so done. Um, so I've definitely experienced burnout academically. Um, but just in life, like I said, even with mental health, what I found, and I think it's pretty interesting, is that sometimes prioritizing yourself in the same ways can cause you to experience burnout. Yes. Like, if I'm just going to always go to journal or I'm always, like, every single time, I want to prioritize my mental health. I'm only going to go talk to my therapist. Mm-hmm. I'm going to like almost get immune to that. Like that's no longer serving me. It's no longer helping me in the way that it used to because I'm just kind of used to it. And yeah. sometimes for me, I had to start um, 
doing nothing and i call it like a day of nothing and i literally am just sitting in the bed um doing nothing watching tv love that mindless tv <laughs> at that so some good drama some good oh yeah nonsense on, yes absolutely <laughs> um <laughs> a very very much you know in my zone and i will just have to reset like that is sometimes how i reset and it's like mm, you didn't really like do much for yourself you didn't pour into you mm -hmm. but i did because yeah. i was watching mindless tv letting my brain do nothing but enjoy <laughs> take a rest yeah so <laughs> that is so that is one way that i've kind of overcome burnout really just doing nothing mm -hmm. and sitting in that but i know for some people it can be difficult a lot of people don't like being with themselves or like doing nothing they like to stay busy yeah so I think you definitely have to balance it. Absolutely. It's interesting, too, because sometimes I will need more than just a day of rest. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes I know for me in the beginning of the year, I didn't have my goals for 2023 planned as soon as January 1st hit. And that's a big deal for me. So I felt very lost at the beginning of the year. And I needed a day not just to take rest, but a day to just take rest completely and another day to plan, plan. out my goals. <laughs> yes. So like having a planning day can also be self-care, even though it's work, quote yes. unquote. If you are somebody who's super goal-driven or need that structure in your life, sometimes restructuring and replanning and getting your shit together Literally. is also like a self-care, quote unquote, rest day too. Yes, I have. I agree with that totally like whenever it's something big that I have to tackle I need to plan it out mm -hmm. like I have to look at it I have to see it on paper or this iPad <laughs> um but I need to see it and planning brings me like a sense of calmness right yes. it literally lowers my anxiety I can I'm an anxious person Same. and if I don't know like say I want to get from A to B. B is the end goal. If I don't have anything in between, I'm freaking out. Absolutely. And so I have to plan. Like, mm -hmm. and it, sometimes it may be like three different plans and we're going to see which one works out best. But mm -hmm. I need to have put some thought into something. So planning for sure is definitely a part of self-care and overcoming burnout for me. Yes, same. <laughs> so do you find yourself... Um, really like turning down projects that you're truly not interested in i know that you said that sometimes it does still feel like work does that happen when you're doing a project that you're not necessarily interested in or maybe just during a time you know has nothing to do with the project that you're working on and just more like life yeah, I've definitely had to turn down gigs or clients if I feel as though it's not in line with the type of work that I want to do. Um, I'll say weddings, for example. Mm. Um, there are a lot of photographers who are amazing at weddings. Some specialize in them and some do them from time to time. I dibbled and dabbled in weddings. I think I've shot three, possibly four. Um, and I learned that that's just honestly a lot of work. And it's a lot of work that doesn't align with the type of photographer that I am. Like, I am very creative, but I can also do e-commerce. Wedding is very, very specific, and you have to shoot with the vision and the goal of the client in mind. And that may not always be the type of style that I typically shoot for. Weddings are also an all-day thing. So it's just a, a very stressful situation for me personally, and that amount of work just is not something that I'm interested in doing with for photography, regardless of the budget. So learning myself and seeing that I don't really enjoy being in that type of environment with photography, then I found that I will just say no and then refer to other photographers that I know. Um, that also is if the, the budget doesn't align with the vision or honestly, it's something that I don't think I could execute. Mm -hmm. If there's somebody who comes to me with a vision and a goal and I don't think I can confidently execute that, I will send them on their way or I'll tell them like, hey, this could be something that I could do, but I'm going to be fully transparent and let you know that maybe somebody else is better for that gig. Yeah, I I think that is so important because you have to sometimes say no to <laughs> to people and that is hard it for is. a lot of people you know especially with you building your brand and and you know you are building your career mm -hmm. and so saying no can sometimes 
be difficult. I know that I experience that sometimes with um, evolving still, like publishing people's project. Mm-hmm. There's, yes, sometimes you have to, <laughs> you should say no. Yeah. Um, because it just doesn't work. You know, it it's not in alignment. It isn't a good fit. And it's not always about the money. And I think that kind of what you were saying also, like with having the nine to five and like balancing it all, it kind of frees that frees you up to say no more. Right. Because it's not like, oh, I have to shoot this many things to pay my bills. Yep, exactly. Um, So as a photographer, you often have to make others feel confident and beautiful. How has capturing other people's beauty affected your own confidence and self-esteem? Oh my God, it's done so much, which is interesting because I didn't really expect it to. Mm-hmm. Um, so growing up, I was pretty shy for the most part, hated being in front of the camera, <laughs> absolutely despised it completely. I'm um, kind of awkward, so getting in front of somebody's camera to take a picture, I'm like, mm, I don't know what to do. <laughs> um, but like you said, as a photographer, when you have a one-on-one session with someone or even a group session, like... You have to encourage people, like hype them up. Like I want people to feel their best self when they are in front of my camera because it's going to bring out the best side of them. Um, So being that person for someone else kind of helped me do that for myself as well. Um, And then just directing models and getting more familiar with different poses to do, I decided to start booking photo shoots for myself Mm -hmm. to get out of that comfort zone that I was putting myself in a box in. And it's done so much for not only my work as a photographer, but kind of like you said, my confidence as well. So that when I'm in front of a camera or just out in the world, like I can say the same things that I would say to a client to myself to reassure, like, I mean, I know I'm beautiful, but also like just be yourself. Mm -hmm. It's okay. And be your best self because girl, you that girl. (laughs) Period. So today, do you think that you're more confident in front of the camera or still behind the camera? Um, I think I'm very comfortable in front of the camera. A lot more comfortable than I would say I've ever been. Mm. But I just, I'm, I prefer to be behind the camera just because that's, that's kind of my wheelhouse. Like, I'm a nerd. I know about my camera. I know what it can and cannot do. Um, and I get in my zone when I'm behind the camera. So yeah. I prefer to be behind, but I have no problems getting in front of the camera anymore. Yeah, I love that. I love that. We talk about confidence um and self-esteem kind of on the podcast and so I love the fact that this has contributed to your (laughs) confidence uh and I actually thought of this question because I did a shoot with Sarah actually and I watched how she interacted and um kind of encouraged the models you know you kind of you were able to and you and you seem like you knew what you were talking about like you're not just telling them because you're behind the camera but because you have done it yourself and been in front of the camera um so I love that I feel like um being you is very very important um for evolving so I have to take photos and do things (laughs) because it's just a part it's a part of it um yeah um very you know I love my personal like my birthday photo shoots and and all of those things um and it was even that project we worked on was just very random like they just asked me to do it and I was like sure um and I believe they found it from or found me from like the reference photo was one of my photos from Evolving Steel. Oh wow. (laughs) Um so yeah very very random but I think that over um the past couple of years of me having to be in front of the camera a little bit more and just even doing speaking engagements and talking to people like I am I I don't I don't know okay (laughs) this is gonna sound very weird but like all of my life people have been like oh like Ebony you're popular right and I don't know what that means that's just very weird to me um I didn't think that it existed, right? Like, I thought it was something on TV. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, and people are like, no, people really like you. Like, you're pop. And I would be like, that's so weird. Like, what are you talking about? (laughs) Um, 
And I think that it just became natural. Like, I never did anything for people to like me or to uh, talk to me or whatever. And I don't even think I'm, I don't think that I'm that approachable. Like, I feel like I just look how I look normally. But whatever. For some reason, people have always approached me. Mm -hmm. Um, And I am, when I'm in a conversation, I do well in conversation. I can keep a conversation. I can make you laugh and whatever. Um, But I wouldn't say that I was outgoing. (laughs) I would never describe myself as (laughs) outspoken. Like, I was not that person. Mm -hmm. Um, So getting in front of a whole bunch of teenagers and college students and talking about mental health something that they probably don't care about as much was like terrifying yeah. like these kids kids are mean they are like kids, kids will tell you like it is kids are so mean so mm-hmm. like the first time that i had to do a speaking engagement i was just like are y'all sure <laughs> like because if these kids start booing me or being like girl like taking naps I'm gonna be so hurt my feelings are gonna be so hurt but doing it um a lot more has helped and built my confidence I think because now it's like if I can get in front of these teenagers that's literally just trying to find something wrong um I can get in front of anybody (laughs) and it's very funny because I feel like um over time my confidence is growing as I am like encouraging other people to like be more confident and be more themselves yeah so what advice would you give to someone who is interested in monetizing their passion Hmm. I think one of the biggest things that I would say is once you begin to monetize your passion, you are a business owner mm-hmm. and you need to treat your business like it is a business. So understand that that may change your passion a little bit. Um, I'm very big on client service in a sense of when you are doing something for someone, you have to think of their end experience as well. When you're doing something just as a passion and it's just for you, you are the only person who you really technically need to prioritize in that sense yes but once you begin to monetize like this is people's money um possibly there are contracts involved so that's just a different structure from this being like a passion project or something that you do in your spare time as a hobby now i don't say that to deter anyone from it at all it's just remember that you would have to have a business mindset in the midst of your creativity or your passions or what you're looking to explore Yes. So this actually just took me two different ways. So the first thing I want to say is I have actually had an experience with this. Right. So back to the publishing, um, I've had clients who have come with the full product done Mm -hmm. you know front to bottom I'm like oh great all I have to do is the legal stuff make sure that it's wonderful um and then I've had um clients who've come to me and been like I want to publish a book and I'm like oh cool (laughs) (laughs) Um, and so I have to outsource again I'm not a creative um I think I'm creative in some sense but not in the designer world not I'm not that's not me um so I have to outsource that and I've had situations where my clients had a vision for something Mm -hmm. right there's this is their vision and um the designers and I think it's it's difficult with books because like the designers are going based off of what they like know is standard for books or like what's gonna print well and things like that so have you ever had a situation where you are like kind of you know because you are the expert like this is not this isn't the best thing for this this is the direction that you should go because this is what's gonna look better this is what's gonna be received better Mm -hmm. um and your client was kind of just like "Mm, no I want this like how would you handle that situation I guess is my question okay good question I feel like I've had a number of situations 
similar to that. And I'll just kind of talk through my experiences with that and how that was handled, I guess. Um, So kind of like you said, when you have clients, you may have a client who comes with everything all set. Like, oh, they got their mood board. They know what they want to do with the photos. They have their entire plan rolled out. All they need is the actual pictures. So in that situation, it's like, okay, this makes sense to me. It makes sense to you. We can go ahead and move forward with that. I've also had situations where clients will come to me with a vision and they're unsure of what they want. Mm. So as we're taking the photos and talking through, let's say, I'll, let's use dark and moody for an example. That's a very popular aesthetic. Okay. And people will say that, but they actually want their photos to be light and dreamy. So they, <laughs> okay. And those are actually very, different. like two very different things, but... As the client, they may not know that. Yes. So that's a point of communicating with the client. And then at that point, it's like, okay, well, we're in a dream setting with clouds. Are you sure you want dark and moody? Mm -hmm. So then asking those questions. And when I'm shooting something that's along those lines, I'll typically take like test photos and then show like, hey, is this what you're really looking for? Or if I think there's something better, I'll just say, hey, I did this. I really like it. Is this the direction you want to go? Because it's different than what we talked about. There are also situations where there'll be a creative director and a team around Mm. and that decision has already been made and the team has approved that. And as a photographer, there's not too much that I can say to encroach upon that because that has already been decided by their team. I'll give my insight, but I also don't want to overrun someone else's job and tell them that they're doing it wrong. All I can do in that situation is give my opinions and then still do my job at the end of the day. So it really depends. So do you take, or I guess my question is, do you take more projects that are already (laughs) complete? Because I'll tell you, so every year I do a birthday photo shoot. My plan is to do one every single year until I'm 30 so that I can have like a book basically um (laughs) and so i whenever it's time for a birthday shoot i am the person i have the mood board i can tell you exactly the shots that i want Mm -hmm. i just need a little bit of and my sister's gonna be creative director (laughs) so i i come pretty prepared Mm -hmm. do you prefer clients that are prepared and like have it you know have it together but let you kind of still take and and be the photographer right gives you room to move in that space or do you prefer people who are coming to you and being like well I don't know what I want so what do you think (laughs) It, it really 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 depends if somebody already has a plan in mind and the plan works and it is in line with my photography style, then let's do it. Like, yeah. if it's already been figured out, we don't need to do much rework. Let's just knock this out and get a great shoe. Yeah. Um, if it is a situation where they don't know what they want at all, I would like them to at least know what they want the photos to, like, what are they for? Like, is this for your birthday? Like, have something in mind. Because if I'm giving absolutely nothing and you are not open to a full range of creativity, one, I still need something to draw inspiration from, regardless of what that is, whether it's an inspo photo, whether it's a movie, whether it's a thought, whether it's an idea. What is this photo for so I can pull some type of inspiration from that and create something creative from it? Um, so if you come into a shoot and you have no idea what you want, either be completely open to whatever might pop up in my head or at least give something to kind of have an idea of like what you want it to be for. Even if you're saying, I just want this for my Instagram. Okay, <laughs> I know what's on your Instagram. So let's find something that would fit with that or let's talk about your personality or just kind of figure out where you want to go from there. I don't usually have clients who just want to do whatever, though. So I don't have to have that experience often. But if I do, they're typically models and looking for something creative. Mm. So that's typically a whole separate thing because we could just bounce ideas off of each other. Um, And then the clients who come in and they know exactly what they want and they want very specific shots. I do that often, too, because I do e-commerce quite often. (laughs) So if it's a jewelry line, if it's a nail photo shoot, regardless of what it is, I know I have to focus on that. Even if everything else is nice and I want to get all these cool creative shots, 
No, because they're selling jewelry. So <laughs> right. you need pictures of the earrings. You so can reel it back up. in. Yes. yes. I love that. Exactly. <laughs> One thing about you, you have you have boundaries really down packed. Like you know the spaces <laughs> in which you should operate. Um, where that question also sent me is a conversation that I have with my friends a lot. Um one friend in particular, she's an entrepreneur and we literally talk about all the time how people really kind of glamorize being a entrepreneur and um when you have a business right you also kind of you as an individual are kind of a brand can you speak a little to that um yeah so kind of like I mentioned a little earlier I actually I may not have mentioned this but I'm kind of shy. Like, I'm out and I have friends. I go talk to people. Like you said, I can handle a conversation. I can yeah. hold a conversation. And I'll speak to people. But I also have a lot of times where I can be very introverted. And I don't want to talk to people. Or I like going somewhere and people don't automatically just, like, recognize me who I don't know. As a photographer and a photographer who's somewhat well-known in the city, if I go places, it's a very, very good chance that they're going to know who I am because I post pictures of myself sometimes on my photography page or they'll see my personal page linked to my photography page. So now I am the brand at that point. <laughs> yes. And I can't just be like, oh, I'm Sarah. Nobody knows me. It's like, no, you're Sarah. You're a photographer. So I know you as that regardless of what space you go in. So there's that side of it. There's also the side of, I mean, I live a life outside of photography. I live a life outside of my nine to five. I don't necessarily always want that life to be super client facing. So in that sense as well, I have my personal page. When I feel like I want to post whatever on my personal page, I'm locking that Instagram (laughs) page so people don't see it unless they're already in there. Um, So being able to balance your brand, your personal brand and your photography or like um, whatever business brand that you have is very important. And I think some people just decide whether or not they want the personal to show on their business side or vice versa. Yeah. And I think that it, there's always like a special person where their their personal like who they really are is their brand and like that's always amazing to see because it's like you can literally be yourself you can literally say anything yeah. um, i'm so fake mysterious though i like <laughs> when people don't know who i am sometimes not fake mysterious <laughs> it's funny because people will come up to me all the time like oh yeah you anytime you on vacation we know because you're gonna have every photo you gonna always have all the fits i'm like thank you i work that is my personality (laughs) that is my brand literally that is my brand like people like yeah when you when you about to go on vacation let me know because i'm gonna be tuned into the instagram i'm like you know what i love it (laughs) uh so the last question is is there anything that you wished you knew sooner on your journey Yes, I wish I had a better understanding of my own personal boundaries early on in my journey. So before I was a photographer, I had a nine to five. I had my things I did outside of my nine to five and setting boundaries within my life was pretty easy because I didn't really have to think about it. As somebody who is a full time nine to five worker and also pretty much a full time creative Um, entrepreneur as well I had to learn how to set boundaries and be able to prioritize myself in the midst of that if you have something to do from nine to five and something else to do from six to midnight or even the next morning then where do you find time for you and as I was mentioning earlier that led me to things like burnout that led me to creative blocks that led me to points where I didn't know what was going on because I was so lost in the sauce and I didn't really take time to plan and prioritize my life If I had known the piece about boundaries a little bit sooner, I would have been able to establish those from jump and not have to go through those. However, I am also a firm believer in trusting the process and being comfortable with your own journey. And I think that maybe the past experiences I had not knowing my boundaries was an opportunity for me to learn those. Because as you kind of mentioned, I have a very strong sense of them now. And I think my self-awareness has grown so much because of that. But 
still, I do wish that I had a better understanding of that earlier on. But, I mean, we're here now. Yes. <laughs> I think the one thing that I wish I knew sooner, um, just on my journey of all the things that I do, um, is that no one knows, like, what they're doing right <laughs> like no one knows everything no matter how confident people look no matter like how, what the plan looks like what it looks like from the outside yeah. everyone is just kind of winging it and I've seen that with large you know pretty known businesses pretty known organizations to smaller um you know small businesses and, and people just trying to figure it out and I think that um, just knowing and realizing that earlier would have forced me to just not try to aim for perfection, like not feel like, oh, I, I have to wait for this time before I can do this because that it, it doesn't exist. It's literally all fake. Yes, I'm glad you mentioned that thing of perfection because I'm a huge perfectionist. Mm -hmm. And one thing that I've learned recently, someone mentioned this to me and it kind of stuck with me is don't let perfect get in the way of good mm -hmm. and allow yourself to put something out there and then make it better from there. It doesn't have to be perfect or all together you don't have to be perfect or all together to show up because you can always get better from there but you have to start before you can get better at something and after I heard that I was like oh my god <laughs> like literally thinking of all the projects that I still have on the back burner because I want them to be this perfect thing when just put it out as good because it will still be good yeah. and you can perfect it from there yeah and I, I think that so my brand is evolving still I think that no matter what you end up putting out it's always going to evolve and, and so like even with the mood calendar it's like I didn't want to put this out until I was able to really perfect it and I knew exactly how I wanted it to be like I want this project to be the finished product no people did not care about that they were literally ripping sheets of paper out of their notebook and drawing it. yeah they just you, needed something right they just want they like the the root of it right mm -hmm. not me waiting to perfect it and I didn't I actually didn't um release the calendar this year because I was like oh I just didn't have time to have these tweaks and I had surgery it was just like a lot going on mm -hmm. and it was the craziest thing it was like January 1st everyone's like ma'am where's the calendar like <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like oh I'm so sorry I let that perfectionism kind of get in the way so mm -hmm. lesson learned for sure can you tell the people where to find you and where they can connect with you? Yes, um, you can find me on Instagram. That's the platform I use the most. My personal Instagram is sflemmy, so S-F-L-E-M-I. And my photography page is flemmy.jpg, and that's F-L-E-M-I dot J-P-G, like the photo. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to today's episode. At Evolving Still, we believe that we all owe it to ourselves to evolve no matter where we are in life. And by focusing on emotional wellness, we give ourselves our best chance. Remember, Evolving Still is not a path, but a lifestyle.